Hi everybody, welcome back to the Gate of Heaven video diary and I hope you all enjoyed the song for Kudus in the last episode which brought the Mazandaran upheaval to an end. So all the while as these upheavals are, are erupting around Iran, the Bab himself remains a prisoner in the castle of Shirik in, in Azerbaijan. And one of his only companions during his imprisonment is the seventh letter of the living, Sayyid Hussein, who acts as his amanuensis, writing down everything that the Bab says and dictates. And Sayyid Hussein describes the, the, the absolutely devastating emotional impact on the Bab when he, when he receives news about what has happened at the fort of Sheikh Tabarsi. He tells us, the Bab was heartbroken at the receipt of this unexpected intelligence. He was crushed with grief, a grief that stilled his voice and silenced his pen. For nine days he refused to meet any of his friends. I myself, though his close and constant attendant, was refused admittance. Whatever meat or drink we offered him, he was disinclined to touch. Tears rained continually from his eyes and expressions of anguish dropped unceasingly from his lips. I could hear him, from behind the curtain, give vent to his feelings of sadness as he communed in the privacy of his cell with his beloved. I attempted to jot down the effusions of his sorrow as they poured forth from his wounded heart, suspecting that I was attempting to preserve the lamentations he uttered, he bade me destroy whatever I had recorded. Nothing remains of the moans and cries with which that heavy-laden heart sought to relieve itself of the pangs that had seized it. For a period of five months, he languished, immersed in an ocean of despondency and sorrow. So, for the enemies of the Bab, to see him in, in, in this state, in the depths of, of such profound pain and sadness, becomes for them a, a further proof of his falsity because they say, look, we beat you and you bruise, we whip you and you bleed, we, we kill your friends and your heart is broken. How can you be the great one that we've all been waiting for? And of course, this is a, a familiar narrative which seems to play itself out in pretty much all of the major world religions. And Baha'u'llah has actually addressed this narrative in the Book of Certitude, where he, he comments on certain passages of both the Bible and the Quran, uh, uh, which, which refer to the term clouds. He says, And now regarding his words, that the Son of Man shall come in the clouds of heaven. These clouds signify in one sense the appearance of that immortal beauty in the image of mortal man with such human limitations as eating and drinking, poverty and riches, glory and abasement, sleeping and waking, and such other things as cast doubt in the minds of men and cause them to turn away. Even as the clouds prevent the eyes of men from beholding the sun, so do these things hinder the souls of men from recognizing the light of the divine luminary. As these holy persons were subject to such needs and wants, the people were consequently lost in the wilds of misgivings and doubts and were afflicted with bewilderment and perplexity. How, they wondered, could such a person be sent down from God? 
So these clouds, having, having grown darker and thicker over Mazandaran, now move from the countryside to the capital, where the new Prime Minister, Mirza Taghi Khan, has sent out his minions to arrest the Babis of Tehran. And initially, 14 Babis are arrested, and seven of them are compelled by the most barbarous torture to recant their faith in the Bab. But the other seven refuse and go down in history as the seven martyrs of Tehran. And they are Mirza Qurban Ali, a mystic and spiritual teacher esteemed by many of his countrymen as the, the very embodiment of virtue. Haji Mullah Ismail Ikumi, a clergyman who had studied at the school of Sayyid Qasim. Hussein Turshizi, another widely respected clergyman. Two successful merchants of Tehran, Sayyid Murtada and Haji Mirza Muhammad Taqi. A servant, Muhammad Hussein Imaragi. But the one who was the first to willingly lay down his life in the public square of Tehran was the person who had actually been the, the closest male figure in the Bab's life ever since his childhood, his beloved uncle, Haji Mirza Sayyid Ali. So Haji Mirza Sayyid Ali had really been like a father to the Bab. Ever since the Bab had lost his own father, his uncle had really loved him like a son of his own. He had, he had provided for the Bab's education in his childhood. He had taken the Bab under his wing uh, as an apprentice in his business as a merchant and had, had really mentored him to become uh, a merchant who was, who was renowned for, for his qualities of integrity and trustworthiness. Uh, when, when the Bab was placed under house arrest after his pilgrimage, his uncle had, had uh, pledged to be his custodian so that he could personally protect him from any, any further harassment from the authorities. And when the Bab was, was uh, expelled from Shiraz, his uncle eventually followed him all the way to the mountains of Azerbaijan to visit his nephew in the prison of Shirik. So now, having visited him in Shirik, Haji Mirza Sayyid Ali starts making his way back down south, travelling back down through Iran, and he stops in Tehran just around the time that Prime Minister Taki Khan has ordered the arrest of the Babis. And Haji Mirza Sayyid Ali is, is, is not only among the 14 initially arrested, he is among the seven who refuse to recant their faith in his nephew and he is brought before the Prime Minister who says to him a word of recantation from you is sufficient to set you free and ensure your return with honours to your native city I pledge my word that should you be willing to acquiesce the remaining days of your life will be spent with honour and dignity under the sheltering shadow of your sovereign and the Bab's uncle responds to the Prime Minister, Your Excellency, if others before me have chosen to reject an appeal such as the one you now make to me, know of a certainty 
that I am no less eager to decline such a request. To refuse to acknowledge the mission of the Bab would be to deny the divine character of the message which Muhammad, Jesus, Moses, and all the prophets of the past have revealed. God knows that whatever I have heard and read concerning the sayings and doings of those messengers, I have been privileged to witness the same from this youth, this beloved kinsman of mine, from his earliest boyhood to this, the thirtieth year of his life. Everything in him reminds me of his illustrious ancestor. I only request of you that you allow me to be the first to lay down my life in the path of my beloved kinsman. So Prime Minister Taki Khan is just stupefied by this response of the Bab's uncle and in a frenzy of rage he orders that the, that, 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 that the Bab's uncle be taken outside and beheaded. And as the executioner is taking him uh, out to the public square, to the block on which his head is to be chopped off, Haji Mirza Sayyid Ali shouts out to, the, to the, the crowd of people that are gathering around the square, Hear me, O people. For over a thousand years you have prayed and prayed again that the promised Qa'im be made manifest. At the mention of his name, how often have you cried from the depths of your hearts, Hasten, O God, his coming. Remove every barrier that stands in the way of his appearance. And now that he has come, you have driven him to a hopeless exile in a remote and sequestered corner of Azerbaijan and have risen to exterminate his companions. With my last breath, I pray that the Almighty may wipe away the stain of your guilt and enable you to awaken from the sleep of heedlessness. And while the crowd stands astonished at these final words of the Bab's uncle, the sword falls. The second of the seven is Mirza Qurban Ali. The, the mystic, admired by thousands of his countrymen as a, a spiritual teacher of the most enlightened degree. He too is brought before Prime Minister Taghi Khan and uh, the Prime Minister says to him, from what I learn of the position you occupy, you are not much inferior to the Bab himself. Had you claimed for yourself the position of leadership, better would it have been than to declare your allegiance to one who is certainly inferior to you in knowledge. And Mirza Qurban Ali responds, The knowledge which I have acquired has led me to bow down in allegiance before him whom I have recognized to be my lord and leader. Ever since I attained the age of manhood, I have regarded justice and fairness as the ruling motives of my life. I have judged him fairly. I am assured of the unquestioning devotion of over a thousand admirers, and yet I am powerless to change the heart of the least among them. This youth, however, has proved himself capable of transmuting through the elixir of his love the souls of the most degraded among his fellow men. Upon a thousand like me, he has, unaided and alone, exerted such influence that without even attaining his presence, they have flung aside their own desires and have clung passionately to his will. 
And the Prime Minister, again, just exasperated and, and shaking with anger, says to his officers, Nothing but the edge of the sword can silence the voice of this deluded people. No need to bring any more members of this hateful sect before me. Words are powerless to overcome their unswerving obstinacy. Whomever you are able to induce to recant his faith, release him. As for the rest, strike off their heads. And Mirza Korban Ali, as he is dragged out to the public square and has his head laid on the block, he shouts out to the people, the more and more people gathering around the public square, Hearken to my words, you who profess to be the followers of the Apostle of God. A rose is a rose, in whichever garden and at whatever time it may bloom. The third is Haji Mullah Ismail Kumi, the, the clergyman who, like Mullah Hussein, had studied at the school of Sayyid Qasim. And as the sword is dropping over his head, he looks to the, the mutilated remains of the Bab's uncle and Mirza Qurban Ali. And he says to them, as the sword is falling, with the, the, the he says with the tenderest affection, well done beloved companions, you have turned Tehran into a paradise. The fourth is Hussein Iturshizi, another clergyman and scholar. But before Hussein Iturshizi uh, is, even makes it to the public square, uh, a, a government official eager to participate in this slaughter, fights his way through the crowd and plunges a knife into the chest of Hussein Turshizi with so much force that he just drops dead immediately. The fifth then is, ha is Muhammad Taqi, the merchant, who on seeing the stabbed body of, of his, his friend Hussein Turshizi, rushes ahead, lays his own head on the block and angrily shouts at the executioner, approach you wretched and heartless tyrant and hasten to slay me for I am impatient to join my beloved Hussein. To live after him is a torture I cannot endure. But before the sword even drops on Muhammad Taqi's neck, the sixth, uh, the other merchant, Sayyid Murtada, rushes forward, throwing himself on top of Muhammad Taqi, uh, uh, re only ref refusing to be the, the last to go, only to be followed by the seventh, Muhammad Hussein Imaragi, uh, who, also unwilling to be the last to go, cling runs forward and clings to the slain body of Haji Mullah Ismail Kumi. Who, to whom he was, he was very attached and, and, and he says, he shouts out never will I consent to separate myself from my dearly beloved friend in whom I have reposed the utmost confidence and from whom I have received so many evidences of a sincere and deep felt affection and Nabil tells us of these these last three Their eagerness to precede one another in laying down their lives for their faith astonished the multitude. Eventually they were beheaded, all three, at one and the same moment. So before they're finally buried, 
the seven bodies are just left abandoned for three days in the public square to be kicked and spat upon by the people of Tehran. They were pelted, cursed and mocked by the angry multitude. Heaps of refuse were flung upon their remains by the bystanders and the foulest atrocities were perpetrated upon their bodies. They were all laid in the same grave, thus remaining united in body, as they had been in spirit during the days of their earthly life. So great a faith, such evidences of unbridled cruelty, human eye has rarely beheld, few as they were in number. Yet when we recall the circumstances of their martyrdom, we are compelled to acknowledge the stupendous character of that force which could evoke so rare a spirit of self-sacrifice. So, in remembrance of all of these extraordinarily heroic people that we're learning about in the Dawnbreakers, these are the Dawnbreakers themselves. In remembrance of them, I'm really pleased to announce the release of the seventh song from Gate of Heaven this Saturday, May 4th. It's, it's called Lord of Grace Abounding and it's based on another prayer written by the Bob. And this song is full of energy and I hope that the energy in this song will, uh, will give us all a chance to, to reflect on the really astounding energy that, uh, that inspired these, these people to perform such incredible acts of, uh, of heroism and, and self-sacrifice so that the message of the Bab could be known by others. But before the song is released, uh, we are going to retrace our steps in the next episode back to that, that nationally uh, revered and cherished scholar who had been, back in those early days, commissioned by the King of Iran to, to, to go to Shiraz and to conduct a royal investigation of the Bab and who on, on meeting with the Bab um, had just found his heart melted away. So I hope that you'll, you'll join me in the next episode when we are reunited with the great and peerless Vahid. <laughs>